Welcome to Divorced and Done. I'm Rob Woodward, joined by Darren Schmidt. We're divorce lawyers focused on giving you the information necessary to navigate the divorce process without bankrupting yourself emotionally or financially. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not legal advice or legal opinion of any kind. Send us your questions or comments to lawyers talking about divorce at gmail.com and find us online at divorcedanddone.com. Let's get into the podcast. Welcome back to Divorced and Done. This week we are taking more of your questions. Darren and I are excited to be with you. But before we get to those questions, Darren Schmidt, um, I don't know what's going on with Amazon Prime. Because uh, you have a birthday coming up very soon. And I thought, man, I should get my very dear friend, Darren Schmidt, some kind of birthday gift. And as everyone knows, you live in the rural hinterland that is vaguely described as the Okanagan. And unless you uh, live in Western Canada, the Okanagan, of course, is not just like one place. It is many little places put together. And the only reason I mention this is because I, I have the fancy Amazon Prime subscription and I ordered you a birthday gift. I'm like, great. Uh, it will get there, obviously, in time for your birthday. No, not so. Amazon said no. It's going to take like two weeks on a standard in-stock item to get to you. So how does the mail work in your jurisdiction? Uh, d- does it come by boat? Does it come by Santa sleigh? Uh, does it come by stork? I don't know, because even though I pay for this fancy Amazon Prime, I cannot get you a birthday gift to you in the prescribed Amazon Prime delivery window. Firstly, I'm not worthy of a birthday gift because I'm a middle-aged man and I don't really need anything. I don't know if you, everyone's gotten to that point in their life, like, what What do I need? Like, it, you, know, it, you need no, the sunshine of a birthday gift. You are the sunshine. So I don't, oh, whatever kind. you're giving me is, um, is wonderful. I thank you very much in advance. As for the mail delivery service in Lumbee, where I live, I'll give you an example. So I ordered a suit from uh, the Bay, the Hudson's Bay Company, a couple of years ago on a Boxing Day deal. And then the suit was uh, noted as delivered both in the Bay, (laughs) both in the Bay sort of online delivery thing. (laughs) Then it was noted as delivered through the Canada Post. I I just shipped it regular post. I was not in a rush for the suit. And it was noted as delivered. So then... I didn't get the suit and I was wondering where, because it was it just put on my front step. Was it put in our mailbox? Like where did the suit go? But it says it's delivered. So then I'm phoning the Bay and they're like, Oh no, it's delivered. Then I phone our post office. We have a post office here and it's our, I mean, our postal postal employees in Lumbee, I think there's two of them. Um, They were very nice. And, and I, I asked them, do you remember that? And they're like, Oh yeah, we remember the suit. Like you're maybe one of the only people in town that wears a suit. You got a package. We remember yeah. the package. Of course, we know who got the suit. You're the guy that got the suit. Uh, Lumbee's a wonderful town. It's uh, it's a forestry and logging town. It's it's getting more diverse. But uh, anyway, 
Uh, so I got the suit apparently delivered, air quotes, and I said, well, I didn't get it delivered. And But then the post office lady said, no, it was delivered. We specifically remember dropping it off at your house. And I was like, so they're challenging your suit? credibility. Little, no, no, I, it wasn't going that far. It was just sort of like, no, we remember your house. We know where the, your house is and wow. we remember delivering it. And then I was like, there's no way someone in Lumbee swiped my suit and I'm six <laughs> foot five. Like there's not someone else. Like I'm going to get a size 42 tall suit and I'm going to swipe this off the front step of Darren's house in Lumbee. Like it's like, okay, I guess someone stole my suit. So then I'm trying to phone the bay. I get a phone call the next day from... Uh, my neighbor down the street and they said did you order a suit i got a size 42 <laughs> they tried so it I on the post office back and i said is that my neighbor's house and they're like oh well we'll do better next time thank you and i said hey you know if if and this is true on everything if if we didn't make mistakes life would be pretty boring so um you know we got we got along well because lord knows i make however many mistakes every day uh so there's no use getting mad at anyone i got the suit and everything was well so i'm sure your package will arrive Oh, uh, great. When yeah, it arrives. It's, it's either going to come to you or it's going to be a birthday gift that goes to one of your neighbors. <laughs> and uh, hopefully they enjoy it and they enjoy the card. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be wonderful. So thank you very much for sending that to me. And thank you to our listeners who send us uh, wonderful listener questions. As said in the intro of our episode, you can send those to us to our Gmail account, lawyers, plural, lawyers, talking about divorce at gmail.com. We've answered every single one that's come in. We got some in the queue. And of course, when we answer listener questions, we implement the high-tech, ad-free, royalty-free sound uh, to say to everyone, we're now answering listener questions. Let's, let's use that sound right now. There you go. That has continued uh, for the last number of months as this podcast has chugged along. It's the listener question cowbell. Our first question this week, uh, she says, uh, hey, Darren, I love you on TikTok. Thanks for watching me on TikTok. That's pretty cool. Uh, question. I was a beneficiary of an RRSP from my brother. The money did not go through his estate. The money is signed over to me and goes on my line 150 and I was taxed on it. Do I have to pay child support? based on my line 150 or is there case law or any sort of uh, law statutory law or anything else that says it is a death benefit and child support would not be based on this thanks in advance for your help that's a pretty interesting question rob what do you think i that is a very interesting question and i've never thought about this issue of course we do know on the property side when we're dividing up family property of course inheritance is by and large exempt if you never put it into joint names and it's never generally touched by the other spouse it is exempt uh in this situation though uh, as it was included as income uh obviously upon the death of the brother um depending on the tax treatment of that i would say potentially and i don't actually know a definitive answer to that off the top of my head what's your view yeah, so my view is that under the child support guidelines, income is income is income, and uh, once it's once it's thrown onto a line one fifty income tax uh, return, that it yeah. would form um, taxable income for the purpose of child support. Unfortunately, I mean, maybe stepping back, the um, uh, rollover of that RRSP from the brother that sounds like he's now unfortunately deceased. Um, 
maybe that could have been done in a more structured way. I, I'm not certain. I'm not a financial expert instead of a one-time lump sum rollover of it or something. Um, and it's unclear whether, I guess it would have had to have been cashed out to have been put on a new To have been included in income on its tax return. Yeah, yes. It's, it's not still sitting in an, in an RRSP account. It's been, it's been cashed out. So I'm going to make that assumption. I think that's a fairly obvious assumption. So I think it's income for the purpose of child support. And I think if you wanted to make the argument that it's not income for child support purposes, um, that, that'd be a pretty tough argument to make under the federal child support guidelines um, because it's income. And the starting point for our child support guidelines and, and the uh, table amounts under our child support guidelines is looking at what the payor's income is. So um, I, th I think you might be stuck with the line 150 income as reflected on your income tax return uh, and as reflected in the cash out of those of that RRSP. So I, I, th I think that's Although the answer. You know what, if, about if that. you, the listener, want to go and find some something that maybe we haven't considered and come back to us, I'm, I'm all ears. Because thinking about that practically, that would just be in one tax year. And if it was, let's say, a major windfall that is significantly, would change your income to something significantly different than what it normally was, let's say it was $200,000 and she makes $40,000 a year, having one year's income at $240,000 may be exceptional and a court may look at that um, may or may not assess her at that level for that whole year but then again that would be subject to getting as you suggest a more specific tax opinion and digging into some case law on that point all right our next question says uh hey darren thank you so much for your insightful tiktoks i'm always watching them and find them to be a valuable resource well thank thank you very much for those wonderful comments listener says uh I have a 15-day trial set for next March, April, I guess that would be 2022, in British Columbia's provincial court, my, I guess my home jurisdiction here, British Columbia. The divorce was finalized in 2018 in our Supreme Court in British Columbia. Is there a rule or law that states I can move the trial up to the British Columbia Supreme Court? I have found and now believe that I have been prejudiced in the provincial court. Um, she mentions that apparently a judge has stated on the record that he spoke to another judge over the weekend and told me that she was going to rely heavily on some of that discussion. Uh, I'd like to just elevate my case to the higher court. I find that the Supreme Court is uh, more strict and follows rules of evidence better. Uh, that Again, this is her opinion, um, whereas the provincial court has been nothing but the Wild West, if you know what I mean. Thank you for reading this, and I truly hope you're able to answer. Well, uh, why don't I take a run at this, Rob? To Absolutely. Start? It's your uh, jurisdiction. It's in my backyard here. Um, yeah, so under our Family Law Act, you can ask uh, the, uh, I want to say it's, I don't have the act in front of me. I want to say it's section 180, 183, maybe, that allows uh, one of either our two courts to take a matter on itself. Um, so a, a case can move to the provincial court from the Supreme Court or it can move from the provincial court uh, or the Supreme Court to the provincial court or vice versa, excuse me. And, you know, the the statute itself is pretty vague as to why a court might want to do that. 
Given that your divorce was finalized in the Supreme Court, I'm a little surprised at how a trial might have, or how how a, a subsequent action was set down in provincial court regarding that file. Uh, it would have probably have made more sense back in time, if you go back in time to have whatever the issue is to be decided at this 15-day trial to be decided by the Supreme Court at first instance. But maybe you were not the one that filed the variation. I'm going to guess, I'm going to call it a variation uh, proceeding in the provincial court. Likely it was your ex, uh, your, your ex-husband or ex-wife. So um, it's possible to elevate it to the Supreme Court. What I would say is the fact that a trial has been set in the provincial court, likely a, a trial management conference or a family case conference or some procedural steps have been taken to set the trial down there, you may face an uphill battle in trying to get it elevated to the Supreme Court simply because uh, there has already been substantive steps taken on this variation application matter. Um, so realize this as well. You could likely bring an application uh, either in the provincial court or the Supreme Court to have the matter elevated to the Supreme Court, but you would bear the onus to show why it's appropriate to do that. If I'm a superior court justice at this point, or what we call judge, I'd be a little reluctant to interfere with the uh, provincial court action at this juncture because the, the train is out of the it's, it's out of the station. It's chugging along in the provincial court. Uh, to elevate it now would would possibly prejudice you and or your ex um, because it's unlikely you're going to be obtaining a trial date sooner than March or April of next year, which is when your BC provincial court trial is set. So there'd be further delay. Um, and, you know, I, I just, I think it, I think it'd be extremely difficult at this point to elevate it, but I mean, strip Rob stripping back the technicalities of one, section 183, if I'm correct in, in BC, I mean, what are your general thoughts on trying to elevate this to the superior level court at this juncture? I agree with your comments. So it's set for, so I'm clear, you said March or April of next year. Yeah. She, she says, I have a 15 day trial set for March, April, uh, end of be- March, early April next year. Uh, so it's a, it's a two-week yes. block, end of March, early April. So a two-week, a 15-day trial uh, for That'd family three matters. Trial. Excuse five, me, three-week, you're exactly yeah, right, three-week trial. Exactly, yeah. we, work days, not, oh, not including weekends. That is exceptional. And I only say that in terms of exceptional, as in as it is, it is phenomenally rare that a matter, particularly where you're already divorced, would get that much court time. Darren and I have talked about previously, no matter where you are in our continent, judicial resources are scarce. So the fact that a judge is going to give you generally three out of four weeks in an entire month to consider your matter is amazing amazing that you got that time clearly there must be lots of issues that need to be determined and there are some gravity to those issues which means in 15 days it's not just you and your ex that are going to be testifying there's probably other people that are going to be testifying there's probably experts there's probably a lot of evidentiary work in the background that has already gone on because of course the judge hearing that Unlike a chamber's application, well, they'll walk in there and say, I haven't heard anything. I, I don't know anything about this. That judge will have some background on that. So getting that 15 days of trial time likely took you a year or more 
uh, earlier to book that, to move that now and to elevate it into higher court, you'd need a very, very good reason to do that. Uh, otherwise, as you say, Darren, that is most certainly an uphill battle that is likely not to be successful. We wish our listener luck. Uh, our next question's uh, fairly straightforward, but complex at the same time. Uh, the, the listener says, I am trying to leave my very emotionally and narcissistic abusive husband. He says, I can leave, but our kids aren't going. I want to leave, and I've made that clear. And because I want to leave, he is not allowing me to take our kids. What are my options? And she saw her signature line here is never, never give up. Uh, so obviously having some emotional struggles. Um, I think this is a step, step one issue, Rob, uh, but I'll turn it over to you. Totally. She needs to get to step one, which is separate and apart, to find peace. And deal with those pieces. And you and I just released an episode on uh, restraining orders. So that is definitely something I would recommend to think about. Is it something she needs in this case? Or is her ex just being extreme in this one moment in light of the breakdown of their relationship and the thought of her potentially leaving with the children and possibly being the primary parent to those children. So for her, I think she needs to take, particularly if he is abusive right now and there is a real physical threat, she needs to take whatever steps she can get out of there, whether it's go live with somebody else, stay with friends, stay in a hotel, whatever she can do to get out of that situation, which may involve phoning the police if things get really heated and potentially considering our discussion on restraining orders. If there's a long history of violence here uh, and a long history of negative contact between the parties, maybe considering a restraining order, unfortunately, as a first step, uh, which would have an effect of potentially dealing with those parenting pieces and other things off the top, but not necessarily. Uh, she needs to do whatever she can do to get separate and apart and then engage with a lawyer. Um, hopefully, and our hope is with the passage of time, those immediate emergency issues do fade away and that cooler heads prevail and both of you can better negotiate what parenting time will look like for your children and how you'll be able to move forward. The one thing I would counsel the listener specifically in this question, and I do this a lot with clients that I meet when they talk about their breakdown with their spouse has gotten really bad and the respect between the two of them is just awful, whether that moves toward violence or really dangerous pieces I don't know, and we don't necessarily totally know from this question, but turning to those parenting pieces to think about, is he actually a good dad and is he a good parent to your children? Because how you answer that question and think about that question separate from your relationship with him directly will determine how those parenting pieces move forward, what you'll do with a lawyer and how you'll move forward. But coming back to the first piece, what she needs to do before she can think about any of those pieces is get separate and apart, which may unfortunately in this instance involve the police or may involve social services to some degree in that initial breakdown. What's your view, Darren? I think you really nailed all of what I wanted to cover. Just the only thing I would touch on is if you're facing the prospect of do I leave with or without the kids? Because there should be no 
dispute that either you need to leave or he needs to leave. But if he won't leave, you need to live separate and apart. So you should just do it in order to expedite the process because the, all the rest of it can be sussed out later in the later steps. But do I leave with the kids or without? Um, if you think the kids are being put at risk of harm, uh, coming back to your last point you made, Rob, is he a good dad, despite maybe some unpleasantness at minimum with you? Um, you know, it's not inappropriate to remove the kids from that house. I, 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 there's, there's nothing inappropriate per se about that. Um, and that might be the most appropriate first step to take. Um, or you go and they stay and you come up with a parenting plan as step two, but step one's getting out of that house. Someone needs to get out of that house. Um, and if that's you, that's fine. It doesn't mean at a later step and at some exclusive possess you can't go back into the house on an exclusive possession agreement, uh, whereby you have exclusive possession of that house on an interim basis. <coughs> All that can be worked out. So, um, but it's not inappropriate to take, take the kids out of the house if you, need to, quite frankly, because all the rest of it can be worked out in steps two to five of our divorced and done process. So it's an excellent point and we wish her well. Yes. Uh, our next question comes from uh, my TikTok feed. The listener asked a question on one of my videos uh, dating back to July 22nd. Uh, the listener subsequently asked a question um, right on the 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 post was about hey if you got questions for our podcast uh, send them into us and we I got a lot of uh, questions right on the comment section of that video so um, one of the questions there I thought we was interesting was uh, the listener lives in Ontario uh, says she was married for twenty eight years uh, but has been separated for about three and a half years uh, she alleges that her ex husband is delaying on uh, proceeding through the divorce process. She asks, is there a time limit with which um, I can I can request spousal support? Uh, again, they're married. So, uh, Rob, what are your thoughts on this? But nobody's filed anything yet in court. We don't know, or that's not clear? Not clear. With spousal support, um, again, that is a step five piece uh, in our divorce and done process. It's after you've dealt with your property. You've been apart for three and a half years. So assuming that's a long marriage, assuming your children are grown and gone, you don't have any um, issues with respect to children or child support. And because you've been separated for those three and a half years, assuming you've dealt with most, if not all of your property, there may still be a house you're dealing with. That spousal support piece, well, you can almost always bring that application in my view, the passage of time, particularly if you've successfully been able to support yourself, pay your bills, do all those things for three and a half years. And because it's a 28-year marriage, whether you're both retired or not, we don't know. Um, but potentially both moving toward retirement, I'd say the chances of success on that spousal support application get smaller every day that passes. Uh, and the further, the longer that you're separated without getting divorced, you're really just looking at splitting up those property pieces. That's not to say that there couldn't be potentially salient factors for bringing that spousal support application. But as we've talked about when we've addressed spousal support before, even though there are numerous different ways we can think about spousal support and view it, generally we want to sort of see it as a transitory allowance to both people moving on with their lives, moving forward. And if it hasn't been claimed yet, um, you'd want to do that sooner than later. 
Okay, great points, Rob. I would agree totally with what you've said. Uh, what what I would say is that you should file the uh, commencement document in your jurisdiction, Ontario. I'm not certain what it's called there, but a divorce proceeding and claim your spousal support as soon as possible because the more time that does pass, as you've said, Rob, uh, the more it may impact your claim to spousal support. In other words, you've lived semi-independently or independently for three and a half years without receiving any spousal support um, that may uh, damage or impact negatively your claim to spousal support. Not to say you, you're not eligible for it and not to say you won't receive some spousal support, but the sooner you can do that, the better. Um, so if he's not willing to uh, proceed, that doesn't mean you, that listener, is able to do that as quickly as possible. This has been Divorced and Done. Find us online at divorcedanddone.com. Any questions, as always, to lawyers talking about divorce at gmail.com. Thank you for being with us, and we look forward to joining you again.